அஸ்லாம் வலைக்கும் வணக்கம் ஐ போன் வெல்கம் டு திஸ் வீக்ஸ் பாட்காஸ்ட் எபிசோட் ஆஃப் ப்ரௌன் டேபிள் டாக் ஐம் யோ ஹோஸ் ஜெய்னட் மை ப்ரோனாம்ஸ் ஆர் ஷீஹ் அண்ட் டுடே வேர் கேச்சிங் அப் வித் குயீன் ஆஃப் குயர் ரைட்ஸ் இன் ஸ்ரீலங்கா அட்ரூ பாயினியர் இன் ஹர் ஃபீல்ட் அண்ட் ஃபார் மோர் தென் டூ டெக்கேட் ஷீஸ் பின் சாம்பியனிங் ஃபார் குயர் ரைட்ஸ் அண்ட் இன்க்ளூஷன் இன் அர் ஐலண்ட் ஹோம் ஷீ இஸ் த ஃபவுண்டர் அண்ட் எக்ஸிகூட்டிவ் டிரெக்டர் ஆஃப் ஈக்குவல் கிரவுண்ட் ஷீ ட்ரூலி நீட்ஸ் நோ இன்ட்ரடாக்ஷன் பட் லெட் மீ ஹம்லி ட்ரை திஸ் இஸ் நன் அதர் தென் ரோசானா ஃப்ளேமர் கால்டேரா Hi Rosanna. Hi, how are you? Um I hope you're uh, vaccinated by now and 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 doing better. Uh I'm not vaccinated yet, but have you gotten it? How has it been so far? Well, no, I haven't gotten it either. So, uh there's so much uh misinformation or disinformation out there that uh, it's very hard to tell where to go, when to go and how to do it. So, I'm waiting till the chaos dies down. Yeah, it seems to be crowded from all the the videos and photos from people's instagram stories of that exactly so i have also got a, another problem in which i i do have allergies so they they do say that if you have allergies you shouldn't take it so i'm not really sure what i should be doing so we'll see but excited that we're getting started in vaccinations around sri lanka so we can come somewhat recover from this new normal we're used to exactly exactly so fingers crossed everything goes well and everybody is vaccinated and we are out of this as soon as possible got to tell you i'm getting really tired of it yeah i'm sure everybody else is as well so I'm yeah sure all of us are at this point i just would love to ask i would i would love to pick apart your amazing brain you have been for the past two <laughs> decades or more championing queer rights i would just love to know how did this journey begin for you just really back in i would love to know where it all started how did rosanna flamer caldera become rosanna flamer caldera <laughs> <laughs> i got to talk to my mom and dad first <laughs> they are the ones who made me so i began very a long long time ago <laughs> you got to thank them for having me uh, in this world i guess and so do i but um, actuality you know when i was uh, very young and um, uh really struggling with my own sexuality and the way things were in sri lanka at that time of course there were no uh, lgbt organizations or anyone you could turn to for assistance you know uh, with this process i was fortunate enough that um, you know uh, i was able to immigrate to the us um and uh, I left when I was uh, 17 celebrated my 18th birthday uh, upon arrival in that country um and I lived in San Francisco for 15 years and it was a, a huge learning experience for me I came out there um um and it was such an anticlimax uh, which is great um <laughs> I was expecting you know a bit of fanfare <laughs> but <laughs> you know i could only make my own um but um it was a time um you know it was 1975 uh, and in 1978 uh, my first pride parade after coming out and and being um you know comfortable uh in my own skin uh i went for my first pride parade and none other than harvey milk uh, was the grand marshal of that parade wow uh, so it was uh, you know very exciting times and very depressing times too because uh, soon after that uh, not even 6 months after that harvey milk was assassinated along with the the mayor of uh, san francisco at the time um 
But, uh, you know, around the corner, little did we know was the entire AIDS epidemic that was just waiting to happen. And um, so the whole of the 80s, uh, you know, there were, was a lot of uh, scurrying around and getting involved in, uh, you know, politics uh, within the community. Um, and uh, being involved in, you know, protests and demonstrations and marches and so on and so forth. You have to also realize that at that time, San Francisco's population of 300,000 persons, 50% of which were LGBTIQ people. So we uh, did have a, 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 you know, quite a bit of clout in that sense, uh, and we uh, used it as much as we could um, to show that we were dissatisfied with, uh, you know, various situations that were going on, particularly the um, uh, epidemic, uh, which everybody, um, you know, basically. Uh, uh, said was a, a gay disease and so who, why should we care if all those faggots are dying yeah um, and so it was a big struggle in the 80s for for San Francisco New York all of the places uh, big um, you know cities that had a, a vibrant gay population that was being decimated by you know the, the AIDS virus um, I was not involved uh, full-time in activism at that time but I sure did get a good lesson in how things were uh, being done over there. Um, and I was also quite naive in the sense that I didn't know what, what was going on in Sri Lanka with this um, because I'd been away for such a long time. And also my parents and my family, my extended family, my friends, they all accepted me for who I was. So I didn't really think, oh, you know, uh, there was anything huge happening in, in my own country. It was when I came back in 1990 that I realized that there was a, actually a law that criminalizes consenting same-sex sexual relationships. And it shocked me to the core. So, um, yeah, so you could say that my that, activism started uh, in the 70s and 80s, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was a turning point for me uh, um, in that sense, uh, realizing it took another four years for me to actually get involved with activism because, uh, you know, I had my own thing going. It was uh, was not on the radar for me because, you know, when you you're sort of set in uh, at that point as well, to be, able, to be able to help the world, you need to be on your own journey as well. And you were coming to terms with a lot of things and your, your organization Equal Ground was a pioneer organization no i mean if i'm not mistaken there were no other organizations of this caliber and this scope to be able to cater to not just a few sections of the queer community but all of them so in that way we yes that is true it was, it was the first of its kind uh, although there were a couple of organizations one of which i was a part of um, yeah. uh, we formed the women's support group uh, for lesbian bisexual women and, and uh, transgender men um, but I was I, I I helped with that for a couple of uh, years, a few years, four years I think, got it up and running, and then decided there was a a, a scope for you know uh, helping the entire LGBTIQ community as a whole without you know being exclusive uh, to one gender or the other. But having said that, of course, you know Equal Ground uh, does have leanings towards you know. Uh, being uh, um, proactive where the lesbian and bisexual women's committee uh, community is concerned, because obviously, you know, it's dear to my heart, but uh, nobody is treated, uh, uh, you know, differently, however, uh, in our organization. So, um, yeah, it is truly an organization for the whole community.
indefinitely i've i've actually come in for an interview with you rosanna once and i walked in and you could see the representation and the inclusiveness and the safe space that you're providing for all people of the queer community and um i even spoke to one person just recently and we he was like oh yeah i used to work at equal ground this is where all the little gay boys start and i was like wow that's <laughs> all the little gay boys start huh? Okay. <laughs> I, 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 a fascinating statement, but also the fact that you know it's such a safe space that people would love to start. That oh wow! Before we jump into that, I would just like to ask you, since we were talking about the '90s, the landscape of Sri Lanka then, or in the queer rights community and national frameworks governing that, and now, well, there was a huge difference, of course. Yeah, I would I would love to know like the metamorphosis so from. from the 90s to now what we've seen have we still laid back in certain laws like yeah obviously we have not repealed most of the laws but how exactly have we seen progress across the years and what is the major differences and what's been happening across yeah so it all depends on how you view progress so progress can be viewed in many different ways it is true that none of the laws have changed in fact the same amount of stigma and discrimination still remain uh there is discrimination in all forms of social service um in healthcare in um in in uh, employment in housing every sphere uh, lgbtiq persons are marginalized and discriminated against um and in these years that um you know uh equal ground has been in operation since 2004 we've tried to uh tackle some of those problems um when in the 90s uh, there was an organization called companions on a journey that was working on hiv and msm now you know this is the lgbt community uh, we are not about sex only we are about relationships we are about being spiritually and and emotionally uh, attracted to somebody of the same sex um you know we have so many different nuances uh, in our community so just to target only men also was problematic for me yeah and that was another reason why you know when we uh, looked at that organization which also closed down several years later uh, and the women support group that i helped uh, uh, found as well it was very inclusive yeah one included just women one included just men and and transgenders um or male born transgenders um so it was uh, i i you know if we wanted to lead by example or if we wanted to make changes that were valid changes in this country i think we needed to lead by example by being all inclusive so that is why equal ground was the first organization of its kind um that opened up in 2004 um which included all members of the lgbtiq plus uh you know community in sri lanka uh regardless of ethnicity regardless of religion regardless of you know uh what part of town they come from and you know i have this real abhorrence to uh you know saying even saying the word class caste system yeah this whole class class and caste system is really something that has hampered uh, human rights in sri lanka it has hampered the progress uh, of this country in so many ways um and you know it's it's difficult for me to to say to my uh, the people who come to help me uh, uh that they can't uh, at home that they can't sit at my table and have lunch with me or have dinner with me uh, which i probably i'm probably the first household or the only household maybe 
that has my uh, domestic sit at the dining table and have meals with us. Yeah. So, so um, that is a well common common uh, workings. Even now, I've seen that happening where you know they are not let to sit on the table with the rest of the family. So yeah, that's true. That I mean, that has been the system, isn't it? Um, but I'm, I'm one of these people who likes to rock the system. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bit of rebel in me. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in the States, you know, I got my grounding in the States, right? And I had to be very thankful for that because the street sweeper earns more than you. You're working in an office, but the street sweeper is earning more than you. Uh, the garbage collector is earning more than you. Yeah. So there is dignity in labor and there is no class caste system. Yeah, sure, there are uh, issues where people with too much money think that, you know, the sun shines out of their backsides. Uh, but, you know, that's their problem. Uh, but, you know, regular Joe blows like all of us, you know, we have no issue with, you know, uh, my best friend was a UPS driver. Uh, my other best friend, uh, you know, worked the garbage collection. Um, it, it, nobody cared. But in this country, we care so much. And, and we try to keep these people in their places by making sure that they're always within the poverty level. And, and so other people out of the poverty level can feel good about themselves saying, oh, I'm, thank God I'm not in that, those people's shoes, yeah. But, and it's a, and it's a system in, in Sri Lanka that has sort of been, uh, you know, pushed onto people uh, because even up to this day, why don't they pay the garbage collectors uh, more money on a, on a monthly basis so that they don't have to ask for handouts from us to collect our garbage, for which we are paying the CMC for, uh, as an example, um, or uh, you know any number of uh, things like the police force. Why can't they pay police a higher salary so that they can uh, not have to depend on um, you know illegal methods of uh, getting uh, you know money on on the table for uh, for their kids yeah so the system is flawed and uh, so yeah and i went off on a tangent about something totally different but uh, so let's get back to and we all get triggered by this i was <laughs> nodding my head the system is flawed indefinitely yeah very flawed yeah. and the frameworks that govern us are all embedded in corruption and very archaic and toxic traditions from yesteryear that i don't know why we keep uh, taking along with us it's, it's yeah it's it's and it's problematic isn't it for example people will say that uh you know homosexuality is a western import um you know there was no such thing here before well you know obviously uh, they're That's talking out of complete lie. ignorance yeah because it was the laws uh, uh that came from the british which we are still clinging on to so those are western imported laws uh, we have been around from the time of creation uh, in this country. So uh, you can't say and that you know, we were brought by the British, yeah? Huh? We've seen in Sri Lankan history, like it's dotted across where we've had homosexual kings, we have had uh, passages in our, in our very religious teachings that talk about this in no bad or toxic light, but just in a light where they're talking about a situation. It's all very normalized in our earlier set in our earlier scriptures, but with the colonial laws coming in and bombarding our systems. But somehow we're the ones still holding it so near and dear and those countries have gotten over it. We're still in this colonial hangover right now. Well, yeah. 
and, and, and partially it's also because they have learned very well from the British to divide and conquer. So most politicians need to find some community or something to put fear in the hearts of people so that they can get their vote, they can be the champions of, you know, trying to get rid of whatever it is that they think is the bogey here. Yeah. And LGBT uh, community has been at the butt end of that, uh, no pun intended, um, uh, for a very long time. So, uh, you know, laws were changed uh, or amended to include women as well. Um, you know, all kinds of insidious yeah, things have been happening. So, wasn't that a Tamil lawyer who had come across it and then the courts had spoken about gender parity in that sense and added women? And then, because of that, we have added heterosexual couples into the mix and making it quite a crazy mixture of a law that really has no place in our society. It's essentially that you can't, you can't have sex unless it's for procreation and against the order of nature. It's, it's, this reading it makes me, I'm so confused how we've let this fly for this long. Well, yeah, the, the, the law in itself, this carnal intercourse against the order of nature is so stupid that even a straight couple who has sex wearing a com, uh, condom can be charged on that because a condom is not natural, right? So it's, uh, it's not used. Aiding and abetting in crime is durex, <laughs> criminal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, they, in that case, should be charged uh, for, you know, blocking procreation. Uh, because if this is the, the question about, you know, it should be for procreation. But, you know, it's like, um, it's, you know, anything to keep people happy and uh, thinking, oh, their politicians are doing something to keep them safe. Yeah. Um, I think people now, though, are little by little beginning to realize that, you know, this is all nonsense. Um, it shouldn't be this way, yeah. Uh, but it's it's taking a long time, and, and of course, everybody turn around and says, "Oh, so you know why why hasn't the laws changed? You'll have been around for twenty years. Why hasn't the law the law changed? Uh, this and that." Uh, it's a very simple thing, you know. We have what is called the savings law clause in uh, our constitution, Article sixteen, that uh, basically prevents us from taking this to court. So it has to be an act of legislature that um, you know. Uh, decriminalizes or, or repeals these laws. So obviously parliaments are not going to even, I mean, look at how they behave in, in, in the first instance, yeah? Um, they're so busy trying to rob this country that they uh, don't want to think about, you know, anybody's rights, uh, including women, LGBT persons, minorities of any sort, yeah? So um, that's the difficulty that they have put that savings law clause, yeah? Um, and it's going to be uh, a huge, you, you, you'll need an extremely big bulldozer to turn that over. So um, we are at the mercy of the politicians, the lawmakers. Um, and so, you know, it, it's taking a lot of time to, to make sure that some of them are. So it's, it's, it is slowly happening, though, I would say. Um, there's a lot more knowledge out there. There's a lot more support out there. There's a lot more... Uh, free thinking out there and this age of the internet has also opened up so many different avenues that you know people can't get away with saying all kinds of crap yeah uh, they can't get away like for example when president sirisena made these disparaging remarks about ranil vikramasinghe being a butterfly and this and that i mean 
everybody erupted, you know, and we took to the streets and eventually the, 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 their press uh, office had to uh, apologize and say that the president didn't mean it that way. Um, of course, that was a very grudging apology, but still that was unprecedented. So, um, you know, things are happening. Uh, however, with each change of government, uh, one doesn't know uh, exactly how things will flow. And also with all this COVID situation happening, you know, things are topsy-turvy, you know. So, oh, yeah, and wait and see. COVID, how has COVID exacerbated an already vulnerable situation for the queer community in terms of any way we had barriers to healthcare, job discrimination, so many things like access to basic needs and rights but with this new stressor of covid exacerbating an already vulnerable situation how do you think the queer community is coping and how could we possibly find a way to help in this situation well the problem is basically getting uh, access uh, to for example things like vaccinations and various things like that you know transgender people uh, most often would be the most vulnerable in this case because of issues with, uh, you know, ID cards and various things like that. Uh, but right throughout the, um, uh, you know, the lockdowns and stuff like that, uh, a lot of people, of course, lost their jobs. Um, they were unable to help themselves. Um, there were some organizations, um, you know, trying to organize, you know, food parcels and stuff. But, you know, uh, how far would that go? Uh, not very far, maybe uh, good enough for a couple of weeks and, you know, then they're back to square one. So it has been in, in enormously uh, difficult um, in so many different ways. There was that. And then, then of course, there is there are people who are staying at home uh, in very homophobic conditions where parents and siblings, uh, you know, think that they're freaks. Uh, and have no issue with, you know, uh, harassing them and uh, being physical with them on a daily basis while they're at home. Um, I do believe uh, there has been um, a huge rise in domestic violence, um, you know, for both women and LGBT persons, uh, you know, during a lockdown and during the COVID situation. So um, it has been tough. Yeah, it has been tough, but you have to realize one thing, our LGBTIQ community worldwide, we are a tough bunch of people. Yeah, we are resilient and we will stand tall and firm. We are not going to go away. We are going to keep knocking at that door until the damn door falls off, yeah? But I right. love this. <laughs> okay. I am manifesting this energy for 2021. We need to break down doors, ceilings, everything else uh, in terms of uh, trying to ascertain our, our rights in this country, our inherent rights, our basic rights at this point. And it's still being ignored. I would just, I would just also like to maybe go back to, uh, I would just love for your comment on the anal investigations as well as the vaginal testing. All of these things mm. happening within this past year how has it pushed back the queer agenda and how how can we respond better to these atrocities well to be quite honest um the cases that were uh, uh that you know came to light uh last year were actually cases that were filed in like 2017 and and 2018 or something like that yeah um it only came to light because of a small um, you know, article written by uh, somebody in the Singhala newspaper saying that two gay men, um, you know, caught uh, under 
you know, acts of gross indecency or whatever um, are being arraigned tomorrow uh, at the high court or, you know, uh, at, the, at the magistrate level or whatever. Um, and then when we saw this, uh, we started making some inquiries. And then we uh, got to know uh, from the people who were handling the case, and I'm really not sure why they didn't bring it to light all these years, uh, that uh, in fact, these two persons, there were three, there were two cases. There was one case of uh, three men who were having drinks in a hotel room, uh, fully clothed, just as friends, you know, having bites and drinks. The police break down their door, come in, grab them. One was a foreigner. And so they were taken into custody. Um, the second one was two boys. I think they were holding hands or something. Um, you know, I don't know the actual details of everything in each case, okay? Um, but, but it turns like, out that those boys... need to know. Those things yes. are within their own bedrooms. Like, how are we to... Who are we to judge them? Well, the two, the two boys, yeah, the yeah, the two boys were, I think, out on the street or something like that. And uh, ridiculously enough, you know, in South Asia, everybody goes around holding hands. Boys hold each other's hands, girls hold each other's hands. Nobody's thinking they're having carnival intercourse against the order of nature on the road, yeah? I mean, <laughs> what's wrong with holding hands? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so these two boys, and, and both in both cases, uh, they were subject to uh, anal examinations. Um, and uh, two of the boys were whipped with, um, you know, barbed wire, uh, and uh, they were tortured. Yeah, so um, that is why we brought that to light. As far as the uh, vaginal uh, penetration was concerned, a, a transgender man was taken into custody for impersonation, and uh, they conducted a vaginal examination of that person to to ascertain whether, you know, uh, what whether he was actually transgender or what. Uh, of course, he was transgender, but he had not gone through, um, you know, sex, uh, sex gender confirming uh, surgeries as yet or, or, or you know, um, treatments. So the police really have no, uh, there's no way that uh, any kind of anal or vaginal examination will determine whether somebody is gay a lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. Um, these are archaic practices that have been, you know, abolished in other countries like 20, 30, 40 years ago, which we are still trying to enforce on our LGBTIQ community. Um, I think it's shocking. So we, we wrote a, an op-ed in the newspaper, which Human Rights Watch uh, actually caught on on, and we decided to do a joint press release. Uh, by that time, we got more information on what this case is really about. And the letters were written, of, uh, of course, to the JMOA, uh, the Sri Lanka Medical Association, um, to which there have not been no replies from those two organizations. By the way, they never reply to any of the letters of protest that we have written to them. Uh, we've also written to the Ministry of Justice. And the minister actually did uh, then call out to the police and others to say that they need to stop that practice. If they are doing that, they need to stop it, yeah? Um, and after that, we've not really heard anything much. We have uh, requested a meeting with the Minister of Justice. Uh, we've been told that it's on his agenda to, to give us a meeting, but uh, so far it's been, um, 
of Namibia Cemetery uh, for four and a half months or almost five months, and we have not got that meeting. Um, so, yeah, but you know how politicians are, you know, uh, and I feel that the Minister of Justice is a little bit cut above, but at uh, the same time, you know, it's like in other countries, when you request a meeting with a minister or a, or a, a, a public official, they're duty bound to not only give you that, but to make it quick and make sure that, you know, everybody, um, you know, can walk in uh, to their ministry or, um, you know, to their department and have a discussion with whoever that they need to have a discussion with. And of course, you need an appointment, perhaps, but, you know, uh, in other countries, this is, this is you know, uh, the norm here, you have to jump hoops, so you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody else. And it's quite ridiculous, yeah. And uh, um, we, if we have grievances of what's going on, and there are, you know, dirty practices by law enforcement and others, then those things really need to stop. It's very difficult. I mean, we are doing. Uh, we've just uh, about to complete a, um, a research that we've done on workplaces and uh, you know what kind of discrimination uh, LGBTIQ people face in the workplace and what are workplaces doing to. Um, you know, uh, get rid of those kinds of unnecessary and unpleasant uh, working conditions for the LGBTIQ community. And, and this is the kicker, yeah, um, especially with this COVID happening, especially with the fact that the, um, you know, tourist industry is like taking a huge beating. Um, the economy is taking a huge beating. Uh, one would assume that one wouldn't cut off their nose to spite their faces, which the, the government of Sri Lanka is basically doing by marginalizing over 10% of the population based on their sexual orientation or gender identity and expression. Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot to offer this country and we have uh, an enormous, um, you know, brain pool, uh, which is being lost to mistaken, the West because. I think in yes. 2017, an equal ground report said that there was almost 19.6% of Sri Lankans who identify with one of the letters. That's right. That was done in four districts. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so uh, the mapping the study that they have just- proud of people not being able to come out and be like, oh, I'm queer, I'm here, because obviously a uh, fear of backlash and ostracization and whatnot. So it is definitely yes. under- so yeah, no, well, basically, uh, when we did it, uh, did the research in 2017, it was in four districts, uh, the enumerators were all uh, field officers that we had trained. So there were LGBTIQ persons uh, who were very comfortable talking to them and, and admitting that they're gay and, and whatever. So we had that 19.6%. When we get to the all island, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, research, which was done by a research company. Uh, of course, we uh, sensitized their uh, enumerators. However, they have they were not recognizable by the community uh, for who they were. So, hence the you know disparity in the numbers. So, in one, you'd say the sampling was a bit skewed because of the uh, you know. Uh, comfort levels of the LGBTIQ persons who were being interviewed by people they knew to be LGBT friendly, as opposed to some stranger coming up to them and saying, so can you answer these questions? Yeah. So um, as you said rightly, there are loads of people who would not tick that box, the LGBT box. They would not tick it because they are afraid that if they do tick it, somehow it will get out. 
and also in a way it is also confirming to themselves that they are as well. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. all of the internalized homophobia that people go through um, in this whole equation. So yeah, that's the, that's the reason why there's a disparity. Um, in my personal view, because we've been all over the country, um, talking with people, uh, educating people, sensitizing people, in my opinion, uh, the LGBTIQ community is way over 20% of uh, the population of this country. I was actually wanted to ask you about your first Pride experience, and I just want to come back to Colombo Pride, because that is your baby, mm. your pride and joy. I would like to know yeah. how your first Pride experience was, as opposed to now, how is your Colombo Pride budding and growing? I know you've had a few hiccups and pushbacks, maybe, but uh, how is it growing? You had your first one in 2004, five, if I'm not mistaken? Five, 2005. Uh, when you say... First Pride experience. No, I meant first Pride experience mean, in, in you in USA. I would love to know what oh, the yes. experience was like, as well as how you've emulated that experience in the Colombo Pride and how it's been going all the time. Yeah, as I said, my first Pride experience it was uh, in San Francisco, standing, uh, you know, like three, four deep on Market Street and watching the parade come down. Uh, Harvey Milk, as I said. Up? Sorry? Did you mean to rhyme three, four deep in Market Street? <laughs> that sounded dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounded, you know, it's, it's the poet in me, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was the first time I had uh, seen this guy, Harvey Milk. Yeah, little did I know uh, how famous this guy was going to be. Um, Harvey Milk and also Sylvester. Sylvester was this uh, disco star. Um, they, we'd call Sylvester they now because uh, uh, they were genderqueer. Um, he was, they were like the biggest uh, uh, disco uh, star in, in, in uh, the States at, uh, at that time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sylvester also passed away, I think, in the early 80s uh, from uh, AIDS-related illnesses. But Harvey um, was a, a little guy and he was so dynamic, yeah? I mean, um, he was uh, and you know, when you go- He was elected official in the history of California. That's, That's right. And cool. the one thing that I learned about Harvey was that um, uh, Harvey was very much into intersectionality in the sense that he was the first to, for example, uh, join the um, you know farm workers unions fighting for rights for farm laborers. Um, yeah, and so Harvey basically managed to get all these big powerful unions and various others uh, onto uh, our side. And uh, that made things a lot easier than, you know, for the, for the LGBT community as well. Um, and so I really kept that in mind, uh, you know, and um, uh, it taught me a lot about uh, strategy and, uh, you know, how we go about doing things. And subsequently, I was in three uh, parades in San Francisco as well, because, uh, you know, our neighborhood bar, uh, lesbian bar, uh, would take part every year as well. And so we God supported. Lesbian bar. Um, sounds so cool. What was it called? It was called A Little More. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Oh, there were quite a few lesbian bars at that time in the in the late seventies and eighties. Um, uh, 
so uh, you know there were plenty of places for us to go and you know meet people i actually came out in a lesbian bar um, my cousin took me and said okay she asked me are you are you are you are you gay are you a lesbian and i said well i don't know and she said okay come with me and she took me to this neighborhood uh, you know uh, lesbian bar and the moment i walked in i thought hmm i'm home yeah i felt so comfortable yeah so yeah lesbian bars uh, unfortunately a few and far between in the states as well. so yeah and so then when i started equal ground we decided yeah we need to have a, a, a you know a, a gay pride here in sri lanka and make our community feel that they have something to celebrate they have a safe space to celebrate and you know in a in a in a, a, a place that is all about you know queer stuff um no you know conforming to any kind of uh, heterosexuality uh, in any way shape or form but also uh, you know um, right from the start with equal ground we decided that um, we could uh, never sort of be exclusive uh, we always uh, encouraged our heterosexual allies and friends to be a part of our journey which we are still doing to a huge extent right now we are running back to back campaigns called ally for equality and who are we um on social media um and so you know uh, that's how it started we started with a, a party at uh, the then my kind of place at the taj um there were over 350 people in that small place yeah and they wanted to close us down at one o'clock in the uh, uh, morning and we refused to go so they turned the lights on and we still refused to go so you know uh it was uh, all quite amazing and wonderful uh, all at the same time and um and also uh you know they were pushing us to get out of the the place and we were not going and you know so there there's a little bit of that also happening but uh, so that's how we decided that uh, and then the next year of course we decided okay we have to have something more than a party um so we started uh, you know we had several things actually uh, in 2005 like movie screenings and like different different yeah things. so we started with the abimani film festival yes. um uh, it is it was called the rainbow uh, queer film festival now it's the abimani queer film festival it's almost like a standalone on its own uh but ours is the oldest queer film festival in south asia wow um, yeah so you know we have uh, quite a few firsts uh, to be quite honest um we even had pride celebrations before india um so that's another first um so we decided that we would have a film festival we would have uh, the kite festival the party uh then we had a friend of mine uh just solomon come from uh, uh new york and uh, do a one man production called mother son uh that was done at the barefoot and then ruan de chikera did forum theater for us with mimi harskaber and a couple of other people um and so it was quite a chock a block two weeks of uh you know uh pride events um and so we just continued from there yeah and uh of course last year probably was the first time we had to postpone pride but not fully we still had a virtual pride uh which worked out just as well um so yeah nations around the corner do you think 2021 pride will be any different i don't think it'll be uh that different i mean the thing is that we have to start planning i mean um the general the norm quote unquote normal prides that we have 
uh, pre-COVID, uh, we start, uh, you know, planning from like January, um, you know, for June. So we haven't even thought about Pride at the moment because we really don't know where we're going with it. Um, we don't know whether we should uh, have it uh, the way we used to have it or whether we should just keep keep it to a virtual thing or, you know, it's, yeah, it's a bit up in the air, but suffice to say, we will have something. Now we had some really uh, cool things happening for Virtual Pride last year. We had a photo competition. Uh, we had a, a music. Yeah, music and dance competition, music, dance, and uh, instrument, you know. Um, and uh, we had a couple of movies that we showed for Abhimani um, and things like that. So, you know, we managed somehow. Um, and we reached far more people actually virtually than we do physically. So, yeah. That is true. The impact is far and wide. Rosanna, I'm yeah. so sorry for taking so much of your time. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me. My pleasure. Take through all of these experiences like, oh, wow, it's amazing. I will never forget this lesbian bar right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the only thing I take from this whole yeah. lovely conversation. Yeah. conversation. Exactly. <laughs> lesbian bar. Yeah. And that seems like people here. to me too. It's calling out my name. <laughs> yeah absolutely calling everybody's name i think you know all of those people who want to just you know be in a place where they are accepted and uh, amongst friends yeah but thank you very much for inviting me to be on your yeah so, superb well thank you very much anyway for having me thank you so much i hope you have an amazing day thank you so much Rosanna. you too all right take care take care okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.